This is the Blood Doctor Show on a Wednesday. A really fucking infuriating, piss me off, goddamn angry Wednesday because I shouldn't have to sit here and be fucking talking about this again. I shouldn't have to be fucking going over this stuff again. I shouldn't have to be discussing this again because it's 2021 and we should have solved these fucking problems by now. And for once, I'm not opening with a political rant, but I'm actually talking about the Phoenix Suns blowing yet another game to a garbage team in the Orlando Magic, and specifically one DeAndre Ayton, who I have repeatedly sang the praises of on this podcast, on Twitter, and in other places, letting me down. I love DeAndre Ayton very much, but to look at his performance in the first half of this game and to look at his performance in the second half of this game and say that those two things were equitable would be bullshit. And it is infuriating to watch this man with all the talent in the world have moments where he is so engaged that he looks like one of the most ferocious players in the NBA and then follow that up with moments where he looks like a person who is totally confused about the game of basketball and how it works. And it's just very frustrating because the kid is so much better than this. He's so talented. He's just he's bright he's funny he's fun he loves the game i just it's frustrating as hell to watch and deandre played a bad second half including letting evan fournier go right by him for the game-winning basket and not only that despite the fact that the suns had time to win the game after that he then almost threw the ball away and almost cost the suns the game they ended up losing anyway but deandre ayton really horrible in the second half and really horrible down the stretch with a bunch of moments that were frustrating as hell. And joining me now to just complain in general, I don't really know what else to say is going to be going on here, is Keith Strader. What's up? Boo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Boo's right. No, Boo's right. Boo's right. By the way, you're like the most frequent guest of this podcast ever. I've had two whole guests, and you've been on like four times now. Like, you're like a regular at this point. Like, you're like, if this show had like a hall of legends which it won't but if it did you'd be like at the top of it can't get rid of me no you really can't no i really can't you're almost like a guest host at this point yeah 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 this is really interesting watch out we're gonna need to consider that as an option yeah. so here's the thing about gonna, this game i'm gonna sneak here oh yeah oh, what no you're gonna sneak what i'm gonna sneak over here and you know start your podcast without you i do boy you're gonna are you gonna try to joan rivers johnny carson me is what you're saying there's a reference no one will get uh-huh. i don't even yeah you don't even get it? Well, there you go. I, didn't, I wasn't around for that one. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't either, but yeah. I still know the reference because no. I'm, you know, educated. Anyway. Uh-huh. I'm not. So, in any case, I'm beyond, I don't even know. Like, it's just, it's frustrating as hell because I've sat here and defended DeAndre Aiden like crazy. I've, and it's just, he has all the tools. He has everything he needs You've seen him like he's, you know, he started playing basketball late in life. So it's obvious that he's going to struggle with some defensive coverages just because it just takes time to develop some of those instincts. But he's gotten so much better at it. And then you have games like today where it seems like in the first half, he totally gets it. In the second half, he doesn't get it at all. I just it's I I don't I don't know. I, I don't I don't know what it is. Like, I have no clue. I'm not trying to sit here and say that I know what's going on with the guy or that I understand every single thing that's going on in his life. But it's very bizarre to see him be completely engaged some moments and then other moments seem just to- like the, the Evan Fournier basket that cost us the game. He's out of position, drifting way too far to the right. 
and lets Fournier just go right by him. And it's just like, his positioning, his footwork should just be better than that. I just, I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm just rambling at this point. I don't, I don't, I don't know what to say. I, I, it's frustrating. It is frustrating to, you know, to lose and to watch someone who usually plays defense so well, you know, to falter like that. I don't think he got a lot of help, um, you know, from the bench overall in the in, in the rest of the game. The bench was bad. Yeah. But um, Saric hasn't been nearly as good the last few games, even with me singing his praises yesterday. Like, he hasn't been as good the last few games. That's definitely true. But Aiton, it's so – it's frustrating because he, his potential is so high. You can see it, and you can see flashes of what it – you know, what it could be if it was consist- consistently at a certain level. But, yeah, then he has, you know, games like this where in the second half he's, you know, throwing turnovers – um, you know, out of position on, on defensive plays. It is frustrating. Well, and it's really frustrating when you watch yesterday. And, like, yesterday he was very good. And on both ends of the court, he was awesome. And then today he was not. I mean, he was good in the first half of this game. Like, truthfully, he was good in the first half of this game. But then somehow, I don't know, it's all, it just all falls apart. I don't know. I'm just. It, it's crazy because he was plus 10. On the game, like if you look at the plus and minus, right? So, and that's very it's misleading because that makes it seem like you know when he was on the floor, everything was all good. But I think it, he was just so good in the first half, you know, that his performance in the second half just brought it down to to. I mean, Vucevic started three of nine, yeah, and then he was like nine of seventeen, and then I think like ten of eighteen. Like he started like barely hitting anything, and then hit like. Six of eight or seven of his next nine shots. Like, he went from not able to hit anything to just lights out. And, I mean, there were a couple of plays where DeAndre was, like, on him and played good defense, and he still scored. Like, you know, there's nothing you can really do about a really good turnaround fadeaway. I understand that. But... Yeah. Yeah, some of the defense... Yeah, it's crazy. Like, he has... Like, sometimes it's perfect. Sometimes, you know, there's just no consistency. Well, and the the thing is, too, it's like, like, he'll... Play really good defense on a possession, but still get scored on just because Vucevic is so good. Right, and people are yeah. like, oh, it was bad. It's like, yeah. no, it just. No. There are some really good defensive plays where he'll get still get scored on. And that just happens. And the time. other thing, too, is like, there are a lot of good centers in the league now. Like, I know that like a couple years ago, it was like, the center is dead. But like, all of a sudden, it's like you have, you know, just so many different, really, you know, Joel Embiid, Bam out of bio, DeAndre Ayton. Nikola Jokic, you know, the the list goes on and on. You know, I mean, Anthony Davis, if you want to call him a center. You know, I just, there are tons of really, really good bigs in, in an age where supposedly, well, the bigs aren't going to be good anymore. You know, Vucevic and Yusuf Nurkic. There, there are a ton of, apparently, especially European, um, bigs. And so, you know, it, like if DeAndre Ayton, like, yeah, oh, Nick Vucevic scored a lot. Yeah, well, he scores against everyone. Like, I, I don't. Yeah. I don't know what. It, yeah, it wasn't perfect, but I think Aiden's issue is this: is he does really well when we're winning or when things are going well. But if if it's the last, if it's the fourth quarter and it's the last minute of the game, like he's not the one that's going to make the right decision at that point of the game. I think the anxiety or the pressure of the moment is a factor. At he's still young, I think that's still a factor in this. In his point in this game, I do feel like pressure gets to him. Yeah. Like I don't know DeAndre Ayton, so I can't like speak to his mental. But like you look at the end of this game, and he again his footwork was bad. He let Fournier go right by him because he he committed so hard to the right, 
basically trying to prevent Fournier from going one way instead of dropping and basically being there. I mean, again, if Fournier is going to pull up for like a 20-footer, Mikhail Bridges is right there. So DeAndre needs to be in position to be able to drop if he drives to the rim. And yeah, he, there's a trust issue. He, he needs to trust to make right. He's got yeah. He's got to trust Mikhail to make that. And he's but he's also got to know that yeah. And he commits so hard to the right that he's out of position that when Fournier goes back driving to the right, DeAndre's not you know it's hard for a dude his size, no matter how good and how much lateral quickness he has, it's hard for him to keep up with any guard. Fournier goes right by him and lays it in. It was actually a really nice layup, but and it wasn't even. It wasn't even horrible defense by DeAndre because he still made him work for it. And it really was a pretty difficult shot. Still but, stayed in on him. Yeah. But like six inches the other way and he makes it so that 48 can't even get there. Right. And those little things are so important. And the thing is, is he should be better at them by now. This is his third year. He should simply be better at them by now. And there are there there are ways he's gotten better and it's just it's frustrating when like okay the charlotte game like during that game lamelo ball did that same shit to him like three times down the stretch he like lamelo ball went like right by him three times and i'm not saying that like deandre should always be fast enough to contain every guard and i understand it again i said it a minute ago like sometimes you play really good defense and you still get scored on i get that but like he's still one of the more agile quicker larger faster big men in the league and, like, you should be able to drop on a pick and roll and execute that defense correctly. Well, you you got to understand that in a pick and roll, there's a threat for them to go to the basket. So you got to step in front of that. Right. And you got to trust your other, your teammate to cover the other, the other man. And this is the thing I was saying about, like, I was talking to you about this before the show is like, sometimes I wonder, like, I am curious, like, like there, you know, I, okay. This is one thing I'll give like Gambo and, and, and Bickley and all the dudes on local radio that they have pointed out is like, they're like DeAndre has so many voices in his ear all the time. Mm-hmm. Like Booker's in his ear and Chris Paul's in his ear and Monty's in his ear and James Jones is in his ear and his position coach is in his ear. You know, he's just got so many people. And sometimes I wonder if anything that those people say ever conflicts and he thinks of those things in a moment and it just like jams up. I don't know. It just, you, cause you can see him at times like, He'll like hesitate, like he's not sure which way to go, like what rotation to make. Mm-hmm. And there will be, and then you'll see sometimes his man flies in right behind him for a dunk. And that's the thing about DeAndre is like, he's actually a good man defender. Like mm-hmm. even Nikola Jokic said, like, it's a pain in the ass to deal with that dude. He's so big and he's very good one on one. The problem is team defense. The problem is rotations. The problem is pick and roll defense. And those things are incredibly fucking important. Right. And, but like the thing is, it's like in the first half, he was a lot better at it. There were several shots that he did a really good job of contesting. Um, yeah. Last night he had like four blocks. Like he, he has really good moments on defense and then he has lapses. But the problem is that his lapses aren't like, like a few possessions. It's like a quarter or a half or a game. And like, I don't know what to do with that. And I, like, I literally sat right here. I sat in this fucking chair yesterday and I was like, the Suns have an incredible center rotation and blah, 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 blah. I sat right here and said it. How would you not after yesterday's game? Exactly. And it's the consistency. It's yeah. like you say, it's the consistency thing. And it just doesn't, I don't know how, and I understand like, okay, last night you're dealing with an entire Miami team that's like all smaller than him and he can just go over everybody. Mm-hmm. And today you've got Vucevic who's big, 
you know, Orlando just drafts big players. It's like an organizational strategy for them. There's some actual resistance. And he sometimes really crumbles in front of that. And some of those numbers you were telling me, like like some of the on-off numbers and stuff, like the bench, like like you said, like he's plus 10 in this game. So yeah. like if you, he, he like he's a positive. He was a net positive when he's on the floor, except for... The like, whole starting lineup, like, but yeah. Yeah, the whole starting line. So the whole bench. Yeah. And okay, so, yeah. so this is another thing that you and I have talked about. And I want to go over some of these numbers in a minute. But this is another thing that you and I have talked about. Is Monty's like rotations and lineups drive me nuts. Like, he runs a lot of five-man bench units. And you just you just don't really do that in this modern day and age. Like, sometimes I'm okay with it because, like, we've had success. And I said to you, it's like, hey, if it works, it works. Well, it didn't work. Yeah. It was not working in this game. Yeah. Didn't work against one of the worst teams. Yeah. And, like, he made switches to it. There were points where it was, like, then Chris Paul with the bench unit. But, like, the the way that he does his rotations, the way that he staggers things, I fucking hate it. And he keeps Booker out for so long. He keeps them in for so long. He just, he needs to do a better job of, like, oh, shit, man. We had a 20-point lead. It's down to 10. We need to cut this bleeding off. Let me bring back in the starters. kind of. You know what I'm saying? Like, he doesn't. I, I really feel like he kind of reminds me of Mike Budenholzer and Bill Belichick. I was gonna, just going to say Bill Belichick. It's like, I'm going to coach how I'm going to coach. Yeah. And I am not reacting to what you're doing. Right. I'm coaching how I coach. And you do what you do. We're going to do what we do. Yeah, it's like Bill, Bill Belichick, like his little, like the little twist of Hannibal Lecter. I just want to see, you know, how this plays out. I'm yeah. just curious. Yeah. You know. It's the whole situational football thing. It's yeah. the whole thing about, like, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to figure out a way to create a situation because if that situation comes up in the playoffs, I want to know how these people deal with it. And I really am starting to feel like Monty Williams thinks that way at times because, like, I just... I get that impression, too, so it's very possible. Yeah, okay, yeah. So, independently, yeah. it just... Because he just, like... He, like he just, he's like, I'm going to play Abdul Nader eight minutes in a row. And I'm like, no, 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 you don't need to do that. And he's just like, yeah, no, that's what we're doing. And I don't, I just don't, like, I don't know how to deal. I, I love Monty Williams. He didn't I, see the floor tonight, by the way. Huh? Yeah, I, I, he was hurt. Oh, and he's okay, out, I think. Okay. Um, but um, it's it's one of those things, like, with, with Monty. Like, I love Monty. Like, I, I would not want anyone else to coach this team. I think that he... I think that he is the best for our personalities. I think that he... I, I love Monty Williams. I'm not trying to say like... I mean, how could you not after the season? He's awesome. Yeah. I love him. But I just... His rotations make me a little crazy. And the way that he plays guys for four games and then they're out of the rotation completely. I just... That stuff makes me a little nuts. And I wish he would do... I understand his job is difficult. Yeah. Given that we have so many really good players that it's hard to get minutes for everybody. I, I, I get that. Yeah. But then like why is... And the like, results. Right, yeah. But it's also like, why is Abdel Nader playing eight minutes in a row some of these games? Right, and then right. a game like today, like, things are falling apart and, like, you're not you're not bucking your trends a little bit to get Paul or Booker back in the game when you keep almost blowing the lead. Like, the, you have to be able to adjust for what's going on in the game in front of you. It's not always like, we're going to stick to our things and we're just going to win the most game Because that's what the Bucks have done and they keep getting bounced from the playoffs doing that. Right. And so I'm very worried that we're going to make it to the playoffs for the first time in forever, and he's going to be so rigid about what he's doing that he won't adjust to what's happening in front of him. I hope that's not the case. I hope that playoff money is different. I, I'm optimistic. You know, it, I think our record right now speaks to his talent. He's a good coach. coach. And 
and sometimes it is like Belichick in the same point where in the in the same aspect where I'm like, well, when I start to question him, I'm like, well, his results speak for themselves, right? And so maybe I'll just step back. But you know, no, it's true. But after a while, Bill Belichick without Tom Brady, you know, but right. that's a whole other story. But Monty's got. He's, yeah. he's, you know, Tom he's Brady. He's got his Tom Brady. He's got he's, two Tom Brady's. He's, he's got Chris Brady, Paul and, he's got and Devin Gronkow. Booker. Yeah, he's... Exactly. But you know what? You, you make a good point. It's like, there's a certain point where it's like, dude, I've watched for a decade. And we watched Jeff Hornacek. And we watched Lindsey Hunter. And we watched Earl Watson. And we watched Igor Kokoshkov. And we watched all these people fail. And now we're watching Monty Williams succeed. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, yeah, I want to sit here and be like, God damn it, Monty. But it's like, I should really be like, God damn it, Monty. You know <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying? Like, that's yeah. really what it is. Because, like, truthfully, it, like, as frustrating as things are, like, these are champagne problems. Yeah. Now we're upset because we didn't get a gang ground on the number one seed. Right. When we weren't even talking about getting into the number eight seed. Right. Or, or that was the conversation last year. Right. Yeah. We're We're literally, we've now reached a point where the problems we have are... Oh, you know, I I need you to play my superstar point guard and my superstar two guard together more often. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like we, but like that's where you want to be, right? Mm-hmm. We want to be, but also truthfully, like we're competing for a title. Yeah, and seeding is gonna matter. It is, and so we're not just trying to get to the playoffs. I know that's what some people are just happy Suns fans. Our goal is the the ring this summer. Yep. That the the whole like we're happy to be here stuff. That yeah. shit's over. No. Like, I think Paul is here for a fuck another playoff run. No. And that's the other thing, too, is like, because everyone was like, well, Chris Paul is probably only going to want to go to a contender, but there's no real contenders that can trade for him, so he's going to have to go to a team that blah, blah, whatever. Well, you know, congratulations. Him coming here has made him a contender. And so, like, yeah, there's no, like, no one in this organization, like, they're in the number two seed in the West. The West is the hardest fucking conference. Everyone knows that. If you're the two seed in the West, you're a fucking contender for the title. I don't give a shit about whatever anyone else says about anything. This team is a contender. And so these games matter. And if you think that they don't view themselves that way, and if you think that they don't think that way, like these are like lethal hard-ed competitors. Like these dudes are nuts. Yeah. Like, you know, Chris Paul's an insane person. Like yeah. literally maybe a little bit unhealthy. And so if we're thinking it. Exactly. Yeah. And 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 especially given the success. And so, yeah, it's like, it's, I'm like, I'm happy to be at this point where like you drop a game like this and like now I'm like pissed about it. Whereas like last year I would just been like, oh, <laughs> same old sons. But now it's like, God damn it. This is not the same old sons. What the fuck are you doing? Right. But it's also frustrating because I'm looking at DeAndre and, but the, okay. So talk about some of these numbers for a moment. The, okay. So like some of the bench points, for example, like. You said that their bench unit like killed us, right? At one point, they they flashed a score it was thirty. Their bench had thirty five points to our eighteen. At and one point, yeah. That I mean, and you'll see those deficits, but that right there is the whole difference, especially given that like we had a double digit lead for much of this game. Yeah, and so when Monty then brings in a five man bench unit, and they just get fucking slaughtered. You know, that's essentially what happened in this game. And then the frustrating part is that we played, you know, the closing unit was the starting unit, which was the better unit. And they still blew the game. Like, it's just, it's like, okay, it's the second night of a Mm back-to-back. And we had to travel from Miami to Orlando, not far, right? Within Florida, it's what, like a 30-minute flight or something? So, like... Still Florida, but... Yeah, but... Sorry, Florida. (laughs) But nonetheless, it's like... 
it's still traveling. You got to go to the airport, get on the plane, you know, all that stuff. You don't get as good of a nice. They missed a ton of layups. They missed a ton of shots at the rim. So I'm tempted to just sort of be like, eh, eh, you know? Yeah. And especially after, like, DeAndre was so good last night. and But, like, aren't we at the – like, really, like, you can't even compete in the second – and not that they didn't compete. They lost one by one point. They competed. But, like, it just – down this stretch of this game, like – like, okay, I'm not trying to sit here and be, like, doom and gloom. Like, things are going so great this season. It's been awesome. It's fun. It's going to continue to be fun. I love that. When you are competing for the number one seed, when you have two games remaining against Utah, when you have the opportunity to actually seize that, and you're choking it away by one point against a team that's, what, 15 and 29? like Yeah. Basically, our record reversed. Yeah. It shows the immaturity of our team a little bit. They're, they need to just... There has to be a little more oomph. And I, I just... It, Again, I know it's the second game of the back-to-back. Yeah. You travel. I get all that. And I know it's a, it's a one-point loss. I understand all those things. But, like, we also blew the first leg of a game against the horn, uh, the the Wolves. Exactly. Like, that two games. And we're at home. And right. we blew the first leg of a, of a, of a two-game baseball yeah. series, as Zach Lowe calls it, a home against the Wolves. That had nothing to do with, you know, and Monty even said, like, after that game, he's like, I didn't have us prepared. Well, okay, so were we prepared today? Like, the, the playoffs are going to be brutal. Right. And they're going to be exhausting. And I don't want to hear these excuses. I want this team to be better than that because we want this team to go farther. And it's just, this is what happens to a team that hasn't been to the playoffs in 10 years. They don't really think about these things. Yep. Like, they're playing this this team. They're like, oh, we got this. They're not like ta- they're not viewing every game as its most important. Yep. We need the number one. So they're not thinking like a playoff team because they haven't been one before. They're not thinking like Bill Belichick. Like, we need the seating and seating matters and home court advantage matters. They don't have that mentality yet because they haven't really been there. Money and- should like, you know, I'm sure it's trying to get them to be there. And same with Chris Paul. That's yeah. why we bring him on. But it's tough. And you can see sometimes, like, Chris Paul's yelling at people, mm-hmm. and he's, like, frustrated. And not, like, like I, I don't know if you saw this. The other night, Steph Curry, like, was, like, fucking screaming at, like, the Warriors. But, like, dude, he he was, like, laying into them. And I haven't really seen Chris Paul go full, like, ape shit yet. Mm-hmm. But, like, last night, there were a couple of plays where he was, like, annoyed that someone was, like, cutting the wrong way. And he's, like, screaming shit and waving people off. Like, like okay, we've passed the honeymoon phase. Where everyone like loves each other and everything's perfect. And Chris is starting to scream at people. And you knew this was coming. And it's fine. But like there is a literal point where like, yeah, like Chris Paul is like Chris Paul recognizes an opportunity to go farther than he's ever gone. Mm. And he recognizes how good this team is. And he's not like, yeah, he's not fucking happy to be here. He's not just thrilled to be in this situation. He's not just happy to be here. He's not just excited to go on the run and happy to mentor Devin Booker and blah, blah, blah. It's none of that shit. They want to win. They want to go farther. He wants to go farther than he's ever gone. He wants to contend. He wants to compete for a title. He wants to knock LeBron out in the playoffs. Like, let that shit be known. Those two are very close friends, but LeBron has gone to the promised land multiple times and CP3 has never gone there. And you better fucking believe that in Chris Paul's mind, he wants the number one seed and he wants the Lakers with the eighth seed and he wants to knock their asses out. I'm just telling you, that's what it is. So there's no like, well, let's see what we can do. There's none of that. This is 
do or die, win or go home for real. This is and and he just has to instill that into them. And I think that I think that Mikhail Bridges has that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think that Devin Booker has that. Oh yeah. I think that Jay Crowder has that. Cameron Johnson. I think that Cam Johnson has that. Yeah. I I don't know about DeAndre Ayton. I don't know about Dario Saric. I don't know about Frank Kaminsky. I love these guys. I'm not trying to trash these guys. I, I'm not trying to dog them at all. But I'm saying that I don't know about, like, literally our entire big rotation. I don't know that they all have, like, dog in them. I and, think Saric does. I want yeah. to believe that. Yeah. But, like, the last few games he's been in his damn head. And that's a problem, like, when like when he's in foul trouble. Like, the one thing that Saric and DeAndre have in common is, like, when they're in foul trouble, like, they kind of struggle to... Get out of their heads and get out of it. I think I think you're right. Like I think the charge has that in him, but like he's had several bad games in a row. And sometimes I wonder like about like he struggled really badly in Minnesota. Like he hated it there. Like like Sarge is capable of really getting in his head and fucking with things. And so I, I wonder about that a little bit. And that's why like like I want Javon Carter out there. Mm-hmm. Right? Javon Carter just brings it no matter what. Campaign can get in his head. Campaign can get flustered and have games where he makes no impact because he's too He's too just flustered. I don't know what what a better word for it is. Javon Carter is never flustered. Javon Carter is a dog who's out there to fight every second. And I wish he was in the rotation more. Langston Galloway is out there to fight every single second. Most of our roster is out there to fight every single second. But I worry about DeAndre Ayton. And I worry about Frank Kaminsky. And I worry about Dario Saric. And the problem is, is that those three are a really huge part of our big rotation. And that's kind of the problem that I've been saying all season is like, this team needs another rim protector. And we end up with Tory Craig, who I don't know enough about Tory Craig. I don't know if he has the mentality. I like what I've seen so far, but he took a couple of Abdul Nader type shots yeah. in this game. Abdul Nader's another dude who it's like, that dude gets in his head and you don't even know, you know what to expect. And so it's like half this team really has it. And lucky for us, like four of the most important players have it. Paul, Booker, Bridges, Crowder. Those dudes are all just like live at the gym dogs. We know what those are. Those are four of our most important players. That shit's huge. Cam Johnson too. That shit's huge. But like DeAndre Ayton is maybe the most important player mm-hmm. <laughs> to our championship hopes. Because he has to be an elite rim protector. He has to be an elite rebounder. He has to find ways to generate offense without it being created for him. And he doesn't have... Like, I was talking to my man Jabari, who I love to death, but he even said, he's like, I don't know that... You know, he's a little low on Aiden. I, I love my man, you know, but whatever. He's he's wrong on a lot of things. That's fine. He's wrong on this one. The point is... <laughs> but no, he said... he Truthfully, he, he makes a good point. It's like, how do you teach that? Can you? Do you think you could teach that? Like, like just that? Like, do you think you could teach Chris Paul's attitude to DeAndre Ayton? I honestly don't know how oh, you do that. No, that's something you just have to feel has to come naturally. Like, I think it's just something. I think it's something intrinsic. Like, okay, like Michael Jordan. Like, let's say you play ping pong with Michael Jordan. And I don't know that Michael Jordan's good at ping pong or whatever, but like, he's gonna try to ruin your fucking life in that ping pong game if you like go play pickup with Michael Jordan. To this day, he's still gonna wreck you. And I think that that's the difference is like some of these dudes have an edge that like just cannot be matched. And what we learned about DeAndre Ayton is that he does not have it. And so how do you overcome that continues to be a problem. And it ends up with games like this where, I mean, again, he looked pretty good for the first half. And then in the second half, things stopped going his way. He gets a little frustrated. That end of the game play where he almost just threw the ball out of bounds because he didn't know what to do. Like, I just... 
Like, he looked so confused about what to do. He was trying to throw the ball to Booker. He did, Like, there was no way that he was ever going to spin and drive toward the basket. And I'm like, dude, they're not, like, they were not expecting him to do anything. And there's, like, no part of his mind that thinks, like, I'm going to fucking take this shit and throw it home. And I'm not saying he necessarily should have done that, but I just mean, like, in those situations, like, that dude is not a threat to do something. Yeah, you have three seconds. Maybe that's what you need to be thinking. It, yeah. Yeah. You're huge. Yeah. Go try to throw it home. And if yeah. they get in your way, maybe you draw a foul. Yeah, like, you're just, in the bonus. Yeah, you're fucking massive. Yeah. Go yeah. for it. You can dribble. Like, he can carry the ball. And maybe he turns out, I understand all that. But my point is, like, like at the end of the game, when you're down by one point, DeAndre Ayton has the ball. And there's no part of him that's like, I'm going to go fucking break this rim in half. Yeah. He doesn't even, it doesn't even cross his fucking mind. I would have much rather he turn, spin, and try to throw that ball down and turn it over. If that is how we lost, I would have been so much more fine because like, and I hate to give Suns Twitter any credit because they're such assholes, but his lack of aggression is just, he just, like, why doesn't he dunk more? He lays the ball in, he, you know, it just, just, just dunk. like DeAndre, break the rim in half, man. Just break backboards. You could do all those things. I think sometimes he just, I don't know. I don't know. He's just so strong. Just fucking use it. Mm-hmm. And it just. He's timid. He's huge and he's timid and it's weird. And someone has got to like, like, I wish we could like hire Michael Jordan to like go full Kwame Brown on him. And I know that that ruined Kwame Brown's career, but I kind of feel like it might work on DeAndre Ayton. Like DeAndre kind of seems like the dude to me that like, like if you neg him, Mm -hmm. like, cause here's the thing, like after last night, everyone was talking about like dominating and he's one of the best players and this is what, and now he sucks today in the second half. So I kind of just feel like we all need to neg him and just be like, oh man, not like not us. I no one should be talking shit to athletes on on like social media. Don't do that. That's not what I'm saying. Don't ever. I'm just saying that, that like Devin Booker and Chris Paul and shit should be like, oh man, that was like a great performance for the 15th best center in the league. You know what I'm saying? Like they should like they should just be like in his face, like no, it's no shame in being you know maybe in the top half. Like they should just be in his face all the time. Oh like oh that was good. You dunked one whole time. Like because. Yeah. He's just so much better than this. And we see games where he is clearly pissed the fuck off about something. And he rocks rims. He grabs offensive rebounds. He shoves dudes out of the way. Like, we just have to, like, figure out a way. There needs to be, like, a group of people whose job it is to, like, right before every game, like, infuriate DeAndre Ayton. (laughs) Like, I'm talking, like, just, like, a group of people who just, like, make relentless your mama jokes or something. Like, I don't know what. Like, like just kind of, like, anti-hype man. Exactly. Because I really, I just feel like this dude needs to be nagged. We just need to make him angry. And then he's going to go out there and crush rims. I just... Because, like, when he's happy-go-lucky and smiling and stuff, I don't, you know... I love it when... Angry DeAndre Ayton is the best. It, when he like comes in like in the post game press conference, it's like I don't I don't care about points. It's like I'm trying to block shots. Like he just has a different attitude, and it, it's you know he's a little he's a little mood swinging. And I just wish that we could find a way. And just I think the Suns need to hire like a pester DeAndre coach. Yeah, who's just like whole job it is just like find stats that make him look bad. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And just like oh you're. You're the 15th best center in the league at offensive, rebounding, isolated, possession, power, or whatever. Advanced yeah. bullshit, you know. We should have won this game. Yeah, we should have. But you know what? I'm going to tell you one thing. I, I and I, I'll tell you one thing I love about James Jones is that he's not going to look at a game like this and make a stupid reaction trade from it. Because mm-hmm. the trade deadline's tomorrow, and you could look at this and say, oh, my God, we blew it. 
blah, blah, blah. We need to, we got to short things up. This team doesn't need to be changed at all. This team just needs more internal growth, more chemistry, more cohesion. Mm -hmm. This need, this team needs no trades. The Tory Craig thing. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Acquiring a guy for nothing. Perfect. It's exactly what we needed. It's exactly what we needed. And maybe the rim protection thing is still sort of an issue, but like truthfully, I mean, I don't know what kind of rim protection you're going to be able to get right now. You're certainly not going to be able to get anything great on the buyout market. And again, I don't really want to trade players on this team. So I think the best thing to do is hope that, you know, Aiton, Kaminsky, and Sharage can figure it out together. Although Kaminsky's like out of the rotation right now. Um, yeah. We can talk about that a little bit. We have. That's weird to me, by the way. Five players that just didn't play today just because. Who? Which five? Kaminsky. I love him this season, as as painful as it is for me to say that. Smith? I mean, I don't, yeah. I mean, we talked about Jalen Smith, you know, during the game. Well, it's, it's, and and it's you, you, you made the point. You, your point was, go ahead. I don't remember. Just that in, in a, in a, in another season, we would have devoted way more time to developing him. Yeah. And I, I think you're right that I think that in probably any other year, especially a year where we were not playoff bound, you know, seeing what you have in Jalen Smith is like a priority. But the simple fact of the matter is like he got COVID coming into the season. Mm. He's not up to speed on anything. We're trying to win. We're trying to win. And yeah. so a rookie big man is just not going to, and especially like he's kind of small. And I, I, you know, I don't know what we were thinking there. I don't think that that dude has the ability to like play backup five, which is sort of what we need from him. He's way too small for that. I don't. I, I don't know. So I I don't know how to feel about that pick. Um, like, I don't love it. But the thing is, like, I feel like James Jones has earned the benefit of the doubt. Um, no one liked the Cam Johnson pick when it happened. And by midseason, it was very clear that it was a really good pick. Mm-hmm. Um, I talked about that yesterday, is how, like, everyone railed on us for trading back. But we acquired Sarich and Culver, who was, was taken six. Jared Culver sucked. <laughs> he still sucks. And Cam Johnson's a better player. So you acquired Sharich and you acquired the better player in the trade by moving back five spots who's on a cheaper salary yeah. <laughs> than Jared Culver. Like, that's 100% a win. That is a win. And so, like, it's hard for me to, like... Like, Jalen Smith had COVID, man. Like, we've seen what long... That. Yeah. So, like, we've seen what long COVID has done to people. So it's really hard for me to be, like... Like, he missed, like, he played in the pre, okay, well, number one, he played in the preseason and he didn't look great in the preseason. Like, the dude looks like a shooter. He's definitely a shooter. Like, I, you can, like, his form is nice. He can shoot the ball. But, like, the other stuff he does didn't look there in the preseason. And then, like, he's barely even gotten minutes in the regular season. And, and you're right. You made the point. It's like, in another year, we would prioritize developing this dude, but this is not that year. And quite frankly, he's a number 10 overall pick. It's a significant investment, but it's not like, a number one pick or a number two pick, you simply don't have to. You you just don't have to be like, okay, I'm going to sacrifice games in order to develop Jalen Smith. You just don't have to do that. So he needs to earn his minutes on his own. And, you know, it's difficult for him to do in this moment, especially, you know, it sucks for him because it's like, hey, you know, we, like backup center is a place where you can earn minutes on this team. Yeah. And we need one. And he can't even. Crack. Like you're talking about Aiden today, we need one. And he can't even crack it. Right. And that says a lot. Right. Like if, if, if we, if we definitely have a position of need at backup center, or if we're not sure about the Aiden, Sharj, Kaminsky, whatever thing, and this dude can't even get minutes. Well, it's, it's interesting because we're talking about how Aiden's not really stepping up to his potential in this game and Sarge, but 
we we have two centers that we didn't even play. They were sitting there on the bench. We we could have played Kaminsky. We could have played Smith, but they don't even see the floor. Right, so Kaminsky is a DNP coach's decision, right? Yep. Yeah, he's not a he's not a DNP hurt or anything, no. right? Yeah. So, I like I'm I'm I find that bizarre. I don't like. Here's the thing. Like, okay, verify this for me, dude. I fucking have hated Frank Kaminsky forever. Yeah. Verify that for yeah, me. I mean, yeah, ever since the you know the, ever since the U of A Wisconsin Elite yeah. Eight two years in a row. I hate that motherfucker. Yeah, fuck Kaminsky. Fuck Kaminsky. Like we've said it forever. Fuck Frank the mm-hmm. Tank. Right? We've said that. Yeah. So verifiably, I am not a Kaminsky stan in any way. You can verify this for me. Yes. Okay. So the fact that I am sitting here saying why the fuck is Frank Kaminsky not playing says a lot. And I'm not saying that Frank Kaminsky is like a game-changing elite player or something, but like dude, he can shoot the ball, he is a nice passer, and he is not a horrendous defender. Like here's the thing. Last year we had Frank Kaminsky on a 5 million dollar deal, and it was like eh, it's kind of a lot. This year we have him on a minimum. And as far as minimum players go, he's definitely worth a minimum salary. And I think that people forget that sometimes. It's like you've got to consider production to salary and all those things. But when we're struggling in these situations, like why is this dude getting no minutes? Who's taking it? Is, did Craig take his minutes? Because it's not the same position, but like well, essentially, Craig's playing with Cam Johnson at the same time. Like, yeah, and I mean, technically Craig did take his minutes because yeah. like Craig is – technically playing power forward and really truly we had Kaminsky playing power forward for us. We really didn't play him at center much because mm-hmm. he played next to Aiden multiple times. That's true. And he played next to Sarge a few times. So we mostly played Kaminsky at power forward because he like took Jay Crowder's spot in the starting lineup. So like truthfully, yeah, Tory Craig really sort of, and also Cam Johnson being back, mm-hmm. those things really basically have taken all of Kaminsky's minutes, but I'm like, dude, like, I don't know. Like I, I, <laughs> I'm not true. Like, I, I just think things work really well. He's a nice passer. He's a good shooter. He's in the right place defensively. I don't think he should be starting or anything no. like that. Well, but he, we were also like eight no with him starting at power forward. That is worthy. But, but I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like he should be in the rotation. Like he should, he should be getting minutes here. He, there. Sh- he should see the floor at least once a game. I'm of the opinion if you have weapons, you use them, especially against Orlando, yeah. like a bigger team. Yeah. Like they are, uh, they're just bigger. Like their their organizational philosophy is to draft bigger players, so you can play the whole twin towers thing. Like, why not give Saric and Aiton five fewer minutes each, and give those minutes to Kaminsky? Give him a pair of five minute rotations. Like, you're gonna tell me that's not gonna work? Like, our bench tanked, mm-hmm. our bench cratered the entire game, yep. and this dude who was like literally better in the starting lineup adva- by advanced numbers than Jay Crowder was, like, can't even see the rotation. It's just and again, this comes back to, like, I understand Monty Williams has literally, like, 12 or 13 dudes. It's difficult to work all those guys into the rotation. But, like, how is it possible that guys don't see the rotation for, like, 10 games in a row? This is a perfect Frank Kaminsky game. Yep. This is a perfect Frank Kaminsky game. You're playing a team that plays larger. You're playing a team that focuses on Aaron Gordon and Nikola Vucevic. I know they shot a ton of threes, whatever. I just really think that if Frank Kaminsky gets 10 minutes in this game, we win. I really do think that. I really believe that because the bench minutes were cratered. And, and you're not going to... back-to-back. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We're coming off a of back-to-back. You're not going to play a dude who didn't play last night? Yeah. Like, what the fuck are you thinking? Yeah. And this is the thing about Monty Williams that drives me nuts. It's like, dude, a back-to-back is the ideal time to play those other guys that you haven't been playing. Exactly. If Javon Carter gets 10 minutes in this game and Frank Kaminsky gets 10 minutes in this game, the Suns win. They probably win by double digits. Yep. And his his insistence on, well, I'm going to play a playoff rotation. Dude, it's not the playoffs. Yeah. And I just, that stuff frustrates me. And it's like, how do you not look at Javon Carter? Good things happen when Javon Carter's on the court, man. 
I just don't understand. Like, how do you not want that dude getting minutes? He is such a dog on defense. He is ferocious. He's out there after every game shooting jumpers for an hour. Like, how do you not want Javon Carter in your rotation? And I, I just, this is the stuff that bugs me with Monty Williams. It's just that as good as a coach as he is, I think he's great. I love him. I don't want him to go anywhere. I just don't understand how, okay, having too many guys is a champagne problem. Fantastic. Fucking figure it out and use them. Right. You just said it. If you have weapons, use them. Yeah. Especially on the back-to-back. That's why you have a deep bench. So when your other guys are tired, you play your people that aren't tired. Exactly. It's like pitching in the MLB. Exactly. It, it really did seem like this was a game where Monty was like, I want to see what my guys can do. He, he, he didn't respect Orlando. He decided, I'm going to try something. You know, I want to try the bench rotation where I just play my bench. He went in there with a certain, I, th- I think it's a lack of respect for Orlando's team. In, 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 I agree. Because we just saw him do that to the Wolves. Yeah. Right? We just saw him basically come out after the game and say, like, essentially, I know he didn't put it in this term, but essentially he said, like, he didn't respect them. Yeah. Because he didn't have the team properly prepared. Like, just truthfully, like, it seems like Monty Williams doesn't take certain opponents seriously. And he doesn't take, I just don't understand, like, how do you not, like, you have such a deep bench. You're exhausted on the second game of a back-to-back. How are you not using it? It just, it, it boggles my fucking mind. I, 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 it, it's, it's mind-bottling. It, it could be from the perspective that he was a player. He was a basketball player, and I wonder if that has any kind of influence on the way he coaches a little bit in the, in, in the mindset that he has when he's coaching a game. Yeah. No, I get what you mean. There, there's a certain scenario in which you could say, hey, like, um, you know, I never wanted to. But, like, on the flip side of that, it's like, well, do, would you have loved playing three games as a player and then sitting five? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. and from what I understand, like he explains it to all of them. Like he's, you know, pretty upfront with them. And I, you know, I don't, you know, hey, if they they can accept it, then I mean, who are we to tell them not to, right? I mean, like, you know, to hell with us if they can take it, then fine. And this team is pretty special in terms of, you know, the personalities blend together really well. But regardless, <laughs> you have a deep bench for a reason. Mm-hmm. This is a regular season game. You need to be using that bench, especially when they fit really well in the matchups. Javon Carter and Frank Kaminsky were perfect for this game, and he just didn't use them. And, you know, I just, I'm just a little frustrated with Monty because I really feel like, okay, here's another thing that I think that Monty does, like on the Belichick thing. I think that he comes into these games and tells guys, like, you are not going to play tonight. And even if they would be perfect partway through the game and they're available, he won't change his mind. Because he wants other people to figure it out. And it's like, dude, that's not how it works. Mm -hmm. Because I think he's also like, I know exactly what I have in Javon Carter. So I don't need to play him. Right. But what what about seeding? Like, we actually have an opportunity to get the number one seed. Exactly. And you're not utilizing your guys on a night when your bench is getting destroyed. You're not even thinking about putting in players who you know are ferocious. Like, Javon Carter is has turned himself into a good three-point shooter and is a great defender. How is that not a dude that you want in the game? Yeah. Especially when campaign isn't playing well. I agree. And that's what makes me think that he really just thought we were going to win, no matter what. He he didn't think we were going to lose. He thought, you know, Orlando didn't have it. That we, and that that's kind of where I was coming from as far as a player mentality. Orlando's a joke. I don't gotta take him seriously. I'm just gonna try my thing. We're gonna we're gonna win it. You know, I'm I'm gonna play my rotations that I want to try off in the playoffs because yep. this is a sure thing. Yep. And it wasn't that. You just hit on the number one thing I wanted to say. You just hit on the number one thing. He treated this game like it was a playoff game, 
And he was just like, I do not trust you. I do not trust Javon Carter. Yeah. I do not trust Frank Kaminsky. You are not going in the game. And the thing that drives me a little bit nuts about that is, number one, it's not a playoff game. Right. <laughs> That's the reason these guys are there. And number two, like, I don't understand how you don't trust guys who have been nothing but positive for your team. Like, the Frank Kaminsky thing is not bullshit. Like, he wants to play hard. Yeah. And, 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 and when he's been in the starting lineup, like, the team doesn't lose. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't warrant any minutes. But, like, you've been playing Abdul Nader all the time lately. Like, I just don't understand. And, like, I love Tory Craig. Like, I think Tory Craig fits in well. I've been really happy to see him on the team. But, like, why is he just, like, all of a sudden getting minutes above Kaminsky? Like, okay, I I acknowledge that maybe he's a better prospect or whatever and he's more athletic. But, like, here's the thing. Kaminsky's been, like, winning here in the starting lineup. Right. Tory Craig couldn't even get minutes in Milwaukee. So we just immediately acquire Tory Craig, and then you just put him on the court and Kaminsky's bench. Like, how does that make guys feel? Yeah, I agree that it's it's, it's odd. It makes me wonder, like, what's going down in practice? Is Kaminsky really not doing that well? Like, how are these decisions being made? And it, it is does make me wonder. But at the same time, it's like we have the best record we've had in ten years. So it's like there are these things that you question. But it's like I might only have these questions because of the level of success that we're having. You know, there is a question there. And we're definitely being nitpicky, but I also think that like when you get to this level, when you're trying to compete for a championship and you like want to actually be a championship contender, I think you actually have to be nitpicky. Mm -hmm. I think that's part of it, right? Like, I don't think that you can do this. I don't think that you can say like, Hey, we're a championship contender and I'm going to come in here and I'm going to try to knock off every team and not nitpick the little details because like that's where you win those titles. Like the, the 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 devil is in the details, as it were. Like, and so I agree with you. Like, we're being nitpicky. I know I'm being nitpicky. I'm being nitpicky on purpose because I just think, like, hey, these little things, like DeAndre Ayton's footwork, that's like the difference in a playoff series. Yeah, you know what I mean. Or, um, just which bench players you trust. Do, do you trust Abdul Nader over Javon Carter? You shouldn't. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, just things like that. Like, do you trust Tory Craig? I love Tory Craig. I love what he's brought, but like. Do you trust him already? Yeah, he's After- not from the park. Really? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was good. That was a good one. Trailer Park Boys reference. You're not even from the park. That was great. Um, it's true though. Like, and I'm not saying we shouldn't trust. I love that acquisition. I love that acquisition. I'm just saying, it is interesting to me that there's so much fluctuation. And you know what? Like, but truthfully, the interest, the most interesting part about it is it seems like everyone's fine. It really doesn't seem like anyone's like, like, I don't, like, I, you don't hear about unrest in the Suns locker room. And I really do think winning cures most things. Yeah. Like Frank Kaminsky, he was in Charlotte forever, was never winning anything. And then he came here and he got two years, 10 million. He only got 5 million of that, but like things were actually going well. He liked being here. And then he got banished to Sacramento. <laughs> And it's like, oh, God, like, oh, I'm sorry. And then you're back in Phoenix and you're in the number two spot. And it's like, yeah, it's fine. Like, maybe it's okay to come off the bench and only play sometimes when suddenly I'm competing for something greater. Right. And I think that, you know, campaign, it's like he was out of the league, you know, and now he's, again, going for something greater. Javon Carter was not playing for Memphis. And now he's, you know, again, not, but but it just, I do think there is. He might now play in the playoffs. Exactly. Well, there's going to be a Javon Carter playoff game. Yeah. There's going to be a game where Javon Carter steals three balls, blocks two shots, and hits four threes. You know that's going to happen in the playoffs. Dude, like, he's like Marcus Smart for us. I know he's not that big. I know he's smaller, but I just don't. I 
I, I just really, I love Javon Carter and I just really wish that, that Monty Williams left him as much as I do. But you know, there's going to be a, a Javon Carter playoff game yeah. this year. You know, that shit's happening. It's going to be awesome. We're yeah. going to love it. We're going to love that game. Yeah. And GM likes Javon Carter. By oh, the way. absolutely. He Ab- got extended. He got that. Yeah. I mean, and he got, you know, I mean, three years, 11 million. It's not a ton of money, but certainly, okay. We could have taken Tyrese Halliburton with the number 10 overall pick, which is who I wanted us to take. Um, and they signed Javon Carter and campaign instead. So the Suns clearly loved their guards. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm just saying it's going to be really interesting to see how all this goes. Monty's lineups drive me a little nutty, but in terms of this game. Yes. So some of these things specifically that just went wrong. Let's just hit these real quick. So you had some interesting numbers. Oh, so we could talk about the Orlando team a little bit yeah. and their bench. The, the bench was the highlight of the game, probably the reason they won the game. Uh, their starting lineup in the plus and minus did not do well. You know, Fournier, for example, who had 21 points, was minus 14. So Fournier, 21 points, yeah. minus 14, yeah. and hit the game-winning shot. Right. That's fucking obnoxious. That, that's, I, yeah. <laughs> that's insane. <laughs> that's so obnoxious, man. Vucevic, minus 5, had <sighs> 27 points. And that's the thing. is like yeah. Vucevic was not good in the first half. Like, again, he started 3 of 9. DeAndre was, like, pissing him off. DeAndre did a great job to start the game, and then it just fell apart. But he was minus five on the game. Minus five of the game had oh the most God. points. So um, is, uh, in the it, game for either team, um, or for yeah, the Magic, twenty-seven points. I mean, I think that is. Oh my God! Yeah, so yeah, most points twenty-five point, was from Booker. So, so most points in the game minus five, and they still won. Like these numbers are ass backwards. Yeah. <laughs> what else? This is crazy. So you go to their bench. Right. It was it was Okiki. Chumo Kiki, hell of a game. Hell of a game. Perfect from field goals. Perfect from the three. He missed one field, uh, one free throw. How many points do you have? Seventeen points. But he had fourteen in the first half, right? Something like. So that. he did like all, almost all of his. Da- he did. Yeah, he definitely yeah. had fourteen. Yeah. He, he did his, like all his of first his threes were in the half. Yeah. First half, yeah. He did like all of his damage in the first half, basically. Yeah. And it still basically was the huge reason they won. And the thing is, is like we let him. There were multiple scenarios in which the Suns were like, okay, we're just going to let Okiki shoot because that's yeah. what they wanted. It seemed and like, he, yeah, we didn't want people to go to the rim and, or something. It, no, exactly. Yeah. And they like left him open in the corner and he bagged those triples. Yeah. He just absolutely made the shots and it's, made us pay. And it probably would never happen again, but that's exactly how this game went. This is a weird game. Yeah, a career game. But it's a weird game. Well, Dwayne Bacon, what about him? Didn't he's Dwayne, Dwayne, ba- Dwayne Bacon was interesting. He had 11 points, but he was plus 21. So, you know. His defense was pretty good in this game. I don't want to make any bacon jokes. But, yeah. Dude, they were. Yeah. You heard them, right? Yeah. They were like, bacon were, is yeah. cooking. And that's why I don't want to do it. But yeah. And they were like, the what did they say? Like the pancetta the, the, <laughs> yeah. the pancetta slicer or something. Whatever. <laughs> I can't even remember. The, the pancetta prince slicing through the sun's <laughs> defense or something. I was like, oh, my God, the alliteration. Pancetta prince. That's true. He was the pancetta something. I can't remember. But, but he... What about his points or his assists and rebounds? Uh, three rebounds, two assists, one turnover. He like he was pretty active on defense. He did a lot, and he was a huge part of their because like there were like I feel like all of his eleven points came like in the middle of like where we scored nothing. Like he right. was just like a positive force on the floor, and there were a couple of plays where he was like incredibly frustrating on defense. He had a really good game too. Yeah. It's just interesting how good. The Orlando bench was when like Fultz is out for the year and you know Isaac is out for the year. Like they've lost so many players and their bench is like, yeah, it's fine. We'll just win this game. And it's just yeah. oh oh my god, so frustrating. Were there any other ones that like totally stood out? Uh 
Uh, not really. I, on the bench, um, Enos was, you know, he had seven rebounds, so that that really hurt. Yeah. You when know, you when you have that points. happen from a guard forward position, like when you've got a guy like James Ennis who's like Ennis, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think so, but <laughs> I think so. I could be wrong. Ennis Enos, whatever. I feel like it was Curtis Enos was the football player. Anyway, so we're we're not sober. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> so did <laughs> you know it? He had seven rebounds. That's yeah. oh my god. Yeah, no, just that'll tell. That'll do it. Like. That'll do it. Just honestly. Like, yeah. He had more than the other the rest of the bench combined. <sighs> you know, Vucevic, 14 rebounds. He's good, man. Amino, 10. He, yeah. Amino had 10 rebounds? Yeah. Dude, he like barely even looked like he was making it. DeAndre, DeAndre got out-muscled for a few rebounds by Vucevic in this game. Vucevic just got positioning on him. Yeah. And Aiden had nine rebounds on the game. And there were like three more that he should have had. Maybe four more. Like he really... He's got to be better on the defensive. He's so good on the yeah. offensive glass. He's got to be better on the defensive glass. Like, he just has to get better positioning on the defensive glass. He just does. He's... Aiden should be getting, like, Kevin Love numbers of rebounds. Hell yeah. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. He should be a Kevin Love, Andre Drummond level rebounder. Absolutely, yeah. man. Because he can get, like, four or five offensive rebounds yeah. a game. And you should be adding 10 defensive rebounds on top of that. There was something I noticed in this game was his instinct to slap the ball sometimes during a rebound rather than grab it. He will try to bat it away or hit it into the backboard to try to re... When you're there, just grab it. Try to grab it. You know, that that's it. You know, so I don't know. It could have just been it was back-to-back or he was off this game, but there are a couple of those things that I saw. I think it just comes back to the whole ferocity thing. And the, the reason it's so frustrating is it's because like this, should, this dude should be the best setter in the NBA. Yeah, like, really like with be. his ability to pass and his touch and his just all the fucking talent that he has, he should just be the best. Like, yeah. just honestly, like, he has so many things that, like, he's athletic in ways that Nikola Jokic could never hope to be. He, like, can pass and flow in ways that even Joel Embiid, like, Joel Embiid doesn't have this level of fluidity and hops and all this shit. Like, he just has this incredible, and this is the thing that Ryan McDonough, like, just truthfully, he would acknowledge, like, you watch this dude, and it's like, oh my god, he is seven one with a seven five wingspan. He can dribble, he can pass, he can shoot, he can dunk, he can do everything. And you just look at that, and you're like, fuck, how do I not take this guy? And so anyone who sits there and is like, oh, blah blah, it should have been, blah, blah. okay, let's. <laughs> DeAndre Ayton is a total package in terms of physical tools. He has everything, but he can't quite figure out a way to put it together. And I know that that's you know been doomed for many people but he's still so young there's still time he took basketball up late like i'm really concerned with deandre ayton's age 25 through 30 seasons and do the suns bag three championships in that time and if they do i don't fucking care about anything all i fucking care about like we are a long-suffering fan base we are a group of people that love this team this is a fucking phoenix suns town the Cardinals have been to a goddamn Super Bowl. The Arizona Cardinals, of all teams, have been to a Super Bowl. The Diamondbacks won a World Series in their fourth year in existence over the greatest franchise in the history of baseball. 
And they did it against Mariano Rivera one month after 9-11. There are some pretty incredible things that have gone on in this state. And none of those things matter in comparison to what the Phoenix Suns do. Because this is simply a Phoenix Suns town. It just is. The Charles Barkley finals against the Bulls is something that is talked about constantly still here. There are still people who sit here and talk about how they should have won those finals. That's a real thing. This is a Phoenix Suns town. It just is what it is. And it doesn't matter how good the Cardinals get. It doesn't matter how good the Diamondbacks get. And theoretically, if the Coyotes were ever good, that wouldn't matter either. This is a Suns town. And so when you reach a point that you're competing for titles... I don't really give a fuck what pick DeAndre Ayton was taken. I don't really give a fuck what the contracts are of the players. I don't care about any of that shit. It means nothing. What matters is, can we bring a ring home? Because we've all been fucking waiting. This franchise and its fan base has been waiting like almost 70 fucking years now. Since the days of Connie goddamn Hawkins, we have been waiting to bring a championship home to this city. And it's been close. It happened almost with the Celtics. It happened almost against the Bulls. And of course it would be that we happened to go up against, you know, two of the most iconic franchises of all time when we were that close. And what happened in the other years, by the way? We lost to, you know, dynastic Spurs teams or we lost to the fucking Lakers. Like, the Suns have been good and even great. And no matter whatever occurred... Something stood in the way. But this is a chance. This is different. This is a next level. And so, regardless of whatever DeAndre Ayton does, whether his hands are good enough, whether he's better than Luka Doncic, whether it was a good pick or a bad pick, whether he was the right person to pair with Devin Booker, or whether it should have been Booker and Doncic, or whether you just take Doncic and trade Booker, blah, 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 whatever arguments are made, I simply don't care about any of it. Whether you make an argument about Robert Sarver being a terrible owner, or... The point guard situation, Dragic, Nash, how those things went down. I don't care about any of it. I simply only care about one thing with this team, and that's winning championships. Rings and trophies are the only thing left that matter. And I'm not trying to say that basketball is a game that is only defined by championships, because it's simply not. If you were to ask me, it is fucking offensive that soccer is called the beautiful game, because it's not. Basketball is the beautiful game. Basketball is the greatest game ever. It's the best. It is the only game where you can combine geometry and like, you know, athleticism and coaching and hype. And you can find ways for garbage teams to overtake great ones. It's just, it's the best sport in the world. It's the most beautiful sport in the world to me. That's how I feel. And the simple fact of the matter is that the Suns have had MVPs. The Suns have had championship contender teams. The Suns have had all-stars. The Suns have had legends. We've had everything. We've had, you know, game winners in the playoffs and legendary series against Hall of Famers. We'd have everything. But there's one thing that's left. And I just don't give a fuck about anything else. And I don't care what anyone thinks about any of this. So as hard as I am about DeAndre Ayton, I ramble on about all of this to say that over the next seven years, if DeAndre Ayton brings home a trophy to Phoenix... I don't fucking care about any of those things. If Devin Booker brings a ring to Phoenix, I don't care about any of these things. If Chris Paul shows up and instantly gets to a level that he never got to before, I don't care about any of those things. There is only one goal. There is only one mission. Win a fucking championship. That is everything. That is everything. And no matter what else occurs, no matter what else occurred... It's the only thing in the world that I fucking care about at this point. 
Like, I truthfully have lived and died with Tom Brady for like 20 plus years. And I will continue to do so. But the only people in the world who could come anywhere near that level of impact for me, and you will understand how meaningful that is for me to say that, Keith, is Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton. And they can do it. Because we have the ability to do that. We have the ability to go to that next level. And that, and I, and I will live and die with this team for that reason. Because I have long suffered. You and I have long suffered. Do you remember the 2013 season? That's one of the best years of our life, right? Don't yeah. you think? Oh, yeah. The, the 2013 yeah. season was awesome. Gerald Green. The yeah. Gerald Green yeah. and Dragic season. It yeah, was, Dragic, it was yeah. incredible. We watched every single game. Yeah. We we lived and died with everything. Remember the game when when Gerald Green scored forty four against the Thunder. Yeah. He was eleven that. of fourteen from three. We like we were losing our fucking mind <laughs> yeah. that game, and that's the game where like he's like staring down Westbrook. Like that game was everything, and we won forty eight games, and we didn't fucking make the playoffs. <laughs> Heartbreaking. <laughs> Remember how close we were to? It was like we were down with the Grizzlies and the Jazz, and we're just like fighting for every game. Came down to the last week, and we and we lost like two games at the buzzer. That it, we were right there, and, and I know we were going to win the title or something. But man, that season was that was like one of the best seasons of basketball in my life. I have never had so much fun as watching the 2013-2014 Suns. Gerald Green and Goran Dragic were fucking awesome. Gerald Green was spectacular that season. I hated how we treated him after that. Like, that dude's, like, our favorite player. Yeah, yeah. Like, we, like... It, it, it was it sucked how it went down, but, you know, you, you have the player's side, you have the team's side, you know, you can you only can still root for your team, so... It, it is what it is. Yeah. But that season, like, we... I'll tell you, our apartment, because we were roommates that season, and our apartment, all we fucking did, we watched every single Suns game, and we were, like, screaming and living and dying with every moment. And that is one of the greatest years ever. And that is essentially what has come back now. That is that is where we have come now. But now we're more than that. Now we're more than just a good team that has the potential to win more games than anyone would have anticipated. This is a contender. This is real. And so I say all of this to say, that for as frustrated as I get with DeAndre Ayton, the reason I won't give up is because I just fucking sit there and see it. I see it over and over. I saw it last night. I didn't see it tonight. But give me 15 games of that. Or 16 games of that in the playoffs. Or I guess with Luke. Give me 20 games of that in the playoffs. Just all I need is DeAndre Ayton to channel last night DeAndre Ayton for one playoff run. Bring that trophy home. And then just let us all go nuts at the parade. And then everything's forgiven forever. Nothing yeah. matters ever again. This is the thing about teams that don't have titles, right? Right. One. Just one. Just one. Just It's like Cleveland. As much as they'll be mad at Kyrie forever, he fucking hit the shot in Steph Curry's face that won them the championship. Kyrie never pays for a drink in that town again. It's just what it is. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? LeBron is, as much as people are mad at LeBron for leaving again, like, he brought a championship to Cleveland. They don't care anymore. Right. Bring a championship to Cleveland, and I don't care. <laughs> Bring a championship to Phoenix, and I don't care what DeAndre Ayton does for the rest of his career. Like, just honestly. Right? I mean. I don't disagree. I don't think you'll find anyone, you know. That's, that's all we, we just need one. Like, I, like I wanted, I would love a dynasty. I want three. I want four. Of course. But, but I just need one. And I don't care if it's in a pandemic season 
or a post-pandemic season or a vaccine season. Yeah. I just need oh, yeah. one. And we're so close right now. And I'm just like, I'm sitting here looking at this and you look at a game like this and you're like, all right, I can show you six reasons we lost. So go fix them. And I just really hope, like, Monty has been so good this season at making halftime adjustments, even if his line lineup adjustments aren't great, but his coaching adjustments, the way we play the game, they're so good. And I just, man, if we can get the Lakers in the first round, like, I know that that's nuts to want that, but, like, just truthfully, like, if they're not at full strength, like, here's the reality of the world. Like, I, we all hate to root for injuries. But if the Lakers are not at full strength or the Lakers don't have the chemistry, because even though they're at full strength, they haven't been playing together, let's take them out in the first round. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Now, yeah. of course, you could argue that let's take them out in the Western Conference Finals at full strength, blah, blah, blah. But I, my point is, if you're the Suns, you're acknowledging you have a chance to really do something here. And you can't be blowing games like this. And it's frustrating when they do. And I just, I hope that DeAndre will go look at the second half of this game and he will commit that to memory and then go look at the second half of last night's game and commit that to memory and say, one of these things is not like the other. <laughs> I'm doing the Miami thing. Yeah. And I know we've been all sitting here hoping for this for years, but. I'm optimistic. I still am too. Yeah. I still really think it's the playoffs, man. Oh, yeah. Like. Yeah, he couldn't get it going for an Orlando game on a Wednesday night. Like, yeah, that sucks. But like, 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 okay, let's say we're playing the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals at full strength. You're gonna tell me he's not gonna be like up to go against Anthony Davis? Like, question. I think he will be. You know, how do he do during the NWC or NCAA tournament? Well, we don't really want to go there. That's Well, that's more Sean yeah. Miller playing him at power forward next to Dusan Ristich. Oh, my God, dude. Oh, my God. That game. Oh, my God. That gave me, like, fucking... I, like, had... I had, like, a conniption fit. Because Sean Miller was playing him at power forward next to Ristich, who literally can't move. And the thing is, like, Ristich was scoring on offense constantly, so Miller won't take him out of the game. But he's literally giving up layups constantly. And Xavier, his old fucking school, beats us. It's a dark day for me. Yeah, that was I was, I was, I was very drunk that day, and I was like yelling at my nephew. I was like, "Do you know why we're losing, though?" And he's like blocking me, like, "Shut up! I don't want to hear you anymore." Any other thoughts on this game or the Suns in general? Um, you know, this game isn't. I don't think uh, doesn't represent the Suns and what we. Uh, can do and where we're headed for this season. I still have immense amount of optimism for the uh, trajectory of the season. I think we're going to be championships. I will say it right here. Man, I fucking hope so. And I'm just going to end on that because that's exactly where we are. The Suns are headed for the championship and that is the Blunt Doctor Show on a Wednesday. Finish recording at 9.03pm. Normally I'm done by like 3am so... This is impressive. You're going to yeah. have to come on more often. You'll get it done early. Uh, we got good work, work ethic. Yeah, you good know. work. Good work. You're really good. <laughs> Excellent. I'm really good, too, I know. <laughs> Peace.